podcast for Steve Jobs. My name is Tom Chow. Oh, Joe. Jobs. Jobs. Jesus. I keep doing that. Jobs. Steve Jobs. 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 Okay, Tom Jobs. Jobs. Jesus. Right off the bat, I screwed it up. Sorry. Um, to discuss Steve Jobs. Did you guys know I have like a degree in Old Testament studies? So I always think Job. Like Job's Job. Like, it's never Jobs. That would make no sense. But yeah, Steve Jobs. Steve. I'm here to discuss Perfect. Steve Jobs with Christian. Now, here's a name at least I can get right, even though it's difficult. Murawski. Uh, Kelly's going to say my name in a second. Okay. And, uh, that was unrehearsed. With, with our Steve Jobs tagline, Kelly Wand. Lowercase I blah blah. <laughs> okay, don't worry about that. No, Kelly Wand, you usually have one in your back pocket. Uh, is there a runner-up tagline? It's like Spectre, but with less talking. Kelly Wand, sometimes you even have one in the breast pocket of your white button-down shirt. Do you have a third tagline? So is Bill Gates' daughter named Doss? Ms. Doss? Very good. I like that. Wait, I have another one. Oh, wow. Where are you keeping this one? You don't want to know that. <laughs> uh, All right, give it to us. $1,500 to bless a house. What? I'll do it for 16 <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, one more. Oh, wow. Holy cats. All right. Rock and roll. Yeah, five taglines. This, this is a record, I believe. Dingus, has he ever done five? Steve Jobs inspires me. Yeah. That wasn't the one. That was just responding. With oh, oh, I thought that was a tag because that could be six. <laughs> your, your response to that would have been, yeah. That's a cool fifth one. <laughs> For some people, that would be a good tagline. Yeah. Uh, it's like being married to Sorkin. That's what my fifth one was. Okay, I like that one, too. See? Very good. Kelly, Kelly Wan, there wasn't a clunker among them. Good writing, bad writing with Kelly Wan. Well, we might have a contest later. Ah, we? it's my favorite. Even though you... But first, yes. speaking of contests, Kelly Wand, mm. do, you have, do you have some kind of contest to pit me and Dingus against each other in a battle of wits? Ah! Oh, sorry. Just that phrase always gets me excited. Uh, it's a fun one. Uh, here's your hint. We might have done this one before. I'm too baked to remember. Okay, that'll make it so easier for us. So you're going to lay out the ground rules here so the listeners know what's going on. sounded kind of familiar. The title for your memoir, Too Big to Remember. Also, you have to guess the theme, although it's usually pretty obvious. So that's not really the fun part. The fun parts, uh, there isn't a fun part, actually. Miles buys himself a state-of-the-art computer that starts expressing thoughts and emotions after a having champagne spilled down on him. <laughs> I already like this synopsis. It's half over. Think, think <laughs> start. That was ha- that was all the. Never mind. Things start getting out of hand when both Miles and Edgar, how the computer calls himself, <laughs> fall in love with Madeline, an attractive neighbor. Man, Dingus, I don't know this one. Sounds, sounds like some theater. Uh, That's your other hint. Wow. Since you should know everything I've ever seen. I don't know where we're going either. Hardware? Ah, oh, good, good guess. It's the same Thank era. You. So that's your only guess? Uh, I thought you does were... Ali Sheedy play Madeline? No, you know who de- plays Madeline is uh, Virginia Madsen. <clears throat> First time I ever saw her. Dingus, I feel like you should know this one. A Madsen. Not Michael Madsen. Are they related? 
It's uh, uh, she's she is his mother. Not many people know that. Yeah. Naturally, by the way, I made that up. <laughs> Sam Wetterston, by the way, is not related to Catherine Wetterston. That's something that I uh, verified. Yes, she, yes, he is. Are you serious? Yes, he's her father. <laughs> no, she's Dingus. You're lying to me. He's her father. Uh, she was born in Britain uh, when he was working there with her mother. Oh, that's why I assumed they weren't related. Yeah. So the, she was British. Yeah, she's, <laughs> he's, his, he's her father. Oh, and that, so Kelly Wan, you may not know this. Catherine Waterston is related to Sam Waterston. <laughs> oh, are the Baldwins related? <laughs> no, no, they just that's a common one. One of them is not. That's true. Uh, Kelly Wan, I don't think Dingus, Dingus or I, neither Dingus or I knows this movie, I don't think. Not from the synopsis. What is As it? Have you knows is it? Uh, it's Electric Dreams, 1984. Good lord, yeah, I have no idea what that Good is. Good lord, how are we going to know that? Who plays Miles? Because Virginia Madsen. Uh, oh, I forget. I isn't that, isn't that uh, Giamatti's name in... Um, Sideways. Yeah, in Sideways, that's yeah, that's Miles. That's a weird coincidence to me. Well, the difference is in Sideways, he does not pour champagne on a computer. Otherwise, it would have probably gone the same way as Electric Dreams. Right. Also, I remember in Electric Dreams, he mistypes his name like in Idiocracy, and the computer through the whole movie keeps calling him Moles. <laughs> <laughs> wow, all right. Pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, so none of us have seen Electric Dreams. Dingus, what have we I all thought. seen? Maybe recently, as in this week. <laughs> This week right, we saw, saw Kelly. Yes. This week we saw Steve Jobs, a 2015 American biographical drama movie about uh, how important it is for a genius to have a Polish person around to stand up to him. It was directed by Danny Boyle and written by Aaron Sorkin, based on the book Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. It stars Michael Fassbender, Kate Winslet, Michael Stuhlbarg, speaking of Job, uh, Seth Rogen, and Jeff Daniels. Steve Jobs is rated R for... What? Yep. Of course, Kelly Wan. Why are you going, what? Uh, What do you think it's rated... Hold on, Dingus. Kelly Wan, why do you think Steve Jobs is rated R? Uh... Some computer language, frightening paint images, and suggestive bickering. (laughs) (laughs) What is it really rated R for? Uh, Steve Jobs is rated R for language. Yeah, F-bombs throughout is another way they could have put it. Those are stupid to rate things R for. Kelly Wan, if you have a child and you're going to bring the child to see a movie... I don't care about the F-word. I'll bring the child to that. Well, that's fine for you, but some parents would want to know, why is this rated R? And they could look at it, and they could say, okay, it's not naked people. You can bring it's not fetus. Old, it's dismembered. It's not gore. It's just language. Right. My child can handle this. I'm going to bring him to Steve, Steve Jobs. Right. Another parent might think, well, we don't cuss in this family. I'm not going to bring my child but to But they're Steve still not cussing. They're just Jobs. watching someone cuss. So that seems to me a weird... Yeah, but it, well, but it might it, inspire... Just yeah. like you were inspired by Steve Jobs, it might inspire the child to right. cuss. What's fuck mean? What's McPain? Wah! And that's been parents. rated R for uh, being a play. Uh, well, yeah, that, that could work. By the way, I saw a trailer for a Maggie Smith movie where she plays like a homeless person, Must and it seems like one of these. It seems like one of these heartwarming. Oh, the British are wacky kind of movies. Um, it's called Lady in the Van. It is rated PG thirteen for 
and I have no desire to see this, by the way. There is no way I'm going to go see Maggie Smith as a homeless person in a wacky British comedy. Uh, but it's rated PG-13. Yeah. It's rated PG-13 for, quote, a brief disturbing image. <laughs> now That's that, me. by the way, that makes me want to see it because I want to know what the image is. So I'm like, what could be a brief disturbing image in, in a comedy? My like guess is you're giving a hand job to a trash can. What question? Yes. I was going to ask. Tom totally glossed over the title. It's like something in a van. What's it called? Yeah, Lady Lady in the Van or Lady in a Van or something. Uh, the premise is that there's a guy who owns a van and he finds, I think, homeless Maggie Smith living in it. And he's like, okay, you can you can still live there. And it's about how they grow closer and they understand each other or something. You are like now that. royalty. Do you guys know, by the way, Paul Bettany has just directed a movie. Oh, uh, uh, I, I should have, I shouldn't have, I sort of uh, surfaced the lead too quickly. Uh, it's called Shelter, and it's about homeless people. And the homeless people, it's about a, a couple, and they're homeless. Uh, the dude is played by Anthony Mackie. So far, so good. The woman, now think, who would you cast as like a homeless person? Who, who, would, who would you think of that could sort of pull that off in a movie? Like, like you think of what Charlize Theron did with Monster. You know, she transformed the fact that she's a beautiful woman to play Aileen Warnos. Taylor um, No, what was it? Well, whatever. Uh, 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 so, no, Taylor Lautner does not play the woman in it. Kelly, one, that's wrong. <laughs> if you were Paul Bettany, what would you – do you think maybe you would cast your wife? Who's his wife? What? Jennifer Connelly. Oh, uh, No. The totally gorgeous Jennifer Connelly playing a homeless person in a movie that Paul Bettany has directed. Yeah. Well, Requiem for a Dream, she was kind of drabbed out. Kind of? Eh, I doubt she was ever homeless in that, though. She was at the end. You know, to be fair, though, she's a, she's a good actress. I mean, I'm, I'm being... She's just too beautiful to play a homeless person? That's kind of my thing. challenge, is it, though, I, isn't it? Right. And, and you know, no dude, nobody ever says that about a male actor, to be oh, fair. Yeah. Like, you get all. Sure. Yeah. Well, we always look homeless. <laughs> right, exactly. We just don't shave for a few days. They're yeah. homeless. A woman's got a tougher time of yeah. it. So. They suck at being homeless, women. Uh, so, anyway, back to. Uh, uh, Did you guys ever see uh, Ironweed? Do you remember that movie? Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember Meryl Streep, when she was. When they were shooting it, she. Uh, Lay on a block, a block of ice, I remember reading, because she wanted to know what it felt like to be dead. That's a true story. Did she play a dead person in she it? She dies in it. It's kind of a spoiler. But she plays like a homeless person who can sing, I think. Yeah, she sings with Jack. Nicholson yeah. in it. And, and see, I, I would believe she could pull off homeless. Yeah. I would, it's I would a prequel that. to Heartburn. I don't get that joke, sorry. <laughs> their movie, their Nora Ephron movie. Meryl Streep, Jack ew. Nicholson. I saw both of those at the theater. What kind of fucking teenager was I where I would go see Heartburn? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you, were, you were also going to see Electric Dream, to be fair. So. <laughs> that makes more sense. Uh, Steve Jobs is uh, on Metacritic at 82. So the average rating amongst various reviews is 82. On Rotten Tomatoes, only 15% of the reviews are negative. 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, at the box office... It opened at number seven, making $7 million on its opening weekend. $1 million per place that it is in the top ten. Oh, so if it had been number one, it would have made $1 million? $1 million, yes. Yeah. So you want to make only a ten. You're worse at math than I am. What? But Kelly Warren, what you are good at is synopsizing movies. Maybe you would do that for us with Steve Jobs. 
with, with a Steve Jupopsis. Why do you just add syllables arbitrarily? Because it keeps <laughs> stumbling on things. I God, I can't believe because I've just I just got out of the movie today. So I was you know for two hours I heard jobs, 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 jobs. I don't know why I'm reverting to jobs. It oh, because you're watching a presidential debate. <laughs> it's good, Kelly Wong. Mm, it's good. Yes, you. Topical, certainly. Yeah. You know what I've noticed though? You are very. It's you are weirdly easy to troll verbally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you were supposed to argue at that point, but all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you have a really shrewd, uh, incisive. Is that how you say that? Or is it insistent? I'll take it. Uh, you know, analytical brain. So it's always it's fascinating to me sometimes how like you'll go to Job. Like you're you're in a constant hurry to get to your real thought, so you like oh this these are just the these are just details. I don't need to worry about that. But then if I, else I, does it, you're like oh, it's Umpire Strikes Back. Kelly, what I feel like you're being my Kate Winslet right now. I appreciate yeah, that. She really can do that. Can you put a slight accent on it that I can't quite place? So I find out later in the podcast it's Polish. It points in and out. <laughs> I hope that's a sign of things to come in the synopsis. Kelly, what are you calling the synopsis? A Steve Jobsus. Awesome. Rock and roll. So give us our Steve Jobsus. Steve Jobsus. Warning. Opsis length may be shorter due to the nature of the film and the author getting stoned and playing Fallout 4. Some words are all. Days after football fans were forcibly introduced to George Orwell in a commercial for a plug-in pet rock... Steve Jobs is all. Okay, Kenny, let's try the spotlight one more time. I don't like what the disco ball is doing for my nostrils. What is it, Winslet? Your daughter's in the movie. She's not my... Stop calling this a movie. Hey, Teddy, I need the laser to track my nutsack as I cross the stage like a caged beast. Why am I not pacing? Sorry, Steve. What is it, Stuhlbarg? Yeah, I can't get the computer to say hello when it starts up. Instead, it just says, what now? I said fix it, Stuhlbarg. Teddy, I need to feel the laser burning my balls a little through my pants. Also, make it oranger. Awesome, Steve. Damn it, Stuhlbarg, fix it in 20 minutes or I'll be doubling your pay to make it tell the crowd you couldn't fix it in time. He stalks into a dressing room and insists on making Winslet slam the door in her own face because he's too busy staring in horror to magazine cover. It's all. Computer declared man of the year. Toaster comes in third again. Steve Jobs is all. At least we both beat out that conniving little snot, Barney Clark. Look at me, I got an artificial heart. <laughs> Barney thinks his heart's awesome, he should watch me pee from behind. And that shit's real, bitches. You have the same expression as usual, Winslet. What is it? Toy Magazine says your prediction is selling a million Macintoshes in a century's a syntax era. Is she even Australian, by the way? You know what? I wrote it in the... There was a parenthesis that says, in a robot voice. (laughs) (laughs) I swapped that out for Australia. Very good, Kelly. (laughs) Pretend that might be a robot voice. He's all, damn it! He starts jerkily rolling up the Time magazine like Ash and Alien. Winslet's all, your wife and ex-daughter are about to open the door. Seth Rogen opens the door. He's all, uh, I'm an electronics genius in this. James Franco sitting beside me looks over and whispers, In my Danny Boyle movie, I cut my arm off and almost went to a party with Amber Tamblin. I look over at the Simon game sitting on my other side and go, Please trade seats with me. It all green, yellow. Steve Jobs is all, Stop! 
don't move. That's it. Winslet, I need a mohair jacket like what Seth's wearing and to smell like weed. Rogan's all, I'm not wearing a jacket, stoner. Listen, man, it'd mean a lot to my compilers if you said in your speech something about the Apple II. They've always wanted to be mentioned in a speech, and there's only three in the movie. <laughs> Come on, Rogue, you know the rules. I don't mention things other people did to help me. Now repeat after me. Uh, you know what say? Standing there, you know, it's... <laughs> exactly. It means I want you to be quiet. <laughs> that was too funny for where it went in the opposite. <laughs> if I just actually did that, a blonde woman character comes in with a brunette child actress. It looks like goes. Pretend the kid looks like Fassbender, and the mom. The mom's all, well, Steve, thanks for saying in Time Magazine that 25% of the planetary male population is what's-her-name here's father. I was simply... (laughs) 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 Take that, Sorkin. (laughs) Uh, I was simply and literally illustrating the fluidity of the term algorithm. The kid's all, Mommy, I thought the funny paper said it was 22%. Yeah, I forgot about Gary. The daughter's all, Papa, thank you for naming your company's biggest failure after me, including the periods. He's all, Lisa, do you know what coincidence is an acronym for? The kid's all, Look, Papa. (laughs) I made a computer drawing on your toy. Aw, how cute. What is that there, a number seven? For the number of days per week, your daddy's awesome. No, you're looking at it sideways. It's the projected sales figures for Macintosh. It's an 85. Are you little? Steven, I hope I applied for welfare last week. I had to put having sex with nerds who live with their parents as my last occupation. Look, there's only a 75% chance they're even my parents. The kids all, look, Daddy, I crashed the system just by knocking it to the floor. Maybe I'm a gee also. Jeff Daniels walks in. <laughs> He's all, Steve, what's this I hear about the Apple logo being modeled after a skinhead? Now Apple stocks are going through the fucking roof! Winslet's all, all I told you this would happen. Stuhlbarg comes in looking frazzled. Steve Jobs is all, well, Stuhlbarg, did you fix the hello key? Stuhlbarg's all, uh, no, but we have a workaround. I can sit under the table and go, what now, in a computer voice. (laughs) They both look at Winslet pleadingly. She's like, all right, but you boys have to wash me table afterwards, and not like last time. Everybody does a spit take. We cut to a montage of reporters saying Steve Jobs. Finally, Tom Brokaw's all. And in Japanese news, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I give you great props for that. Very well done. God. I hate doing these in the morning. I hate everything. I hate it. I mean, and in Japanese news, Steve Jobs was fired off screen. It's now about to give another speech five years later that we also won't see. (laughs) (laughs) Some words are all GameCube launch 89. (laughs) That's the crowd. Steve Jobs is all, Teddy, you sure the people in the balcony are going to be able to see it from behind when I pee? 
Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you that, Stephen. I'm an accountant. Hmm. Also, I think my T-shirt cannon's jammed again. Uh, that's just a normal cannon, Steve. Please stop clogging it. You're fired, Teddy, and promoted. What is it, Winslet? Yex wife and daughter here again. <laughs> Polish. The daughter's wearing a wig, but she's the same age as five years ago. Hmm, a wig, eh? Teddy? On it, Steve. Also, when you negotiated my visitation rights for my daughter, restricting them to just these backstage interruptions was stupid. You're fired. Uh, that wasn't me, Steve. You already negotiated that. Then tell me he's promoted on your way out. What is it, Winslet? Why you got to stand right behind me? Winslet knocks some papers off the table out of the floor. <laughs> then she thought, oh, shit. Wasn't supposed to do that to the third one. Is the third one? How fucking long do I live, anyway? Seth Rogen's about to walk through the door. There's a knock. Jeff Daniels comes in. He's all Steve Arino, just like old times, huh, buddy? Well, well, come to gloat since you can't just fire me again. Jeff Daniels is all Steve. I just came to wish you luck. Don't you know that people come pester a punctuality freak backstage for fun? Steve Jobs is all, yeah, well, Jesus sent his dad on a fact-finding mission, but we still like him because of mustard seeds. <laughs> Stuhlbarg comes in and goes... Steve, there's a problem with the cube. It keeps turning gelatinous. Jesus, Marty, just put some collagen in it. Don't let it corrode my armor until after I ride it on the elephant. Winslet's all. There's a problem also with the packet dam. It watched shame last night, and now it feels too insecure to come out on stage with you. <laughs> also, Steve Jobs is about to come through the door. Seth Rogen climbs in through a window while they all watch patiently, and then he goes... <laughs> Steve, it's me. Listen, man, you don't want to go out there tonight. This cube thing's going to be the biggest disaster since our Mac Mac and me toy line. Steve Jobs is all, ah, same old rogue. You're just jealous of my cube because you're not black and lungs don't count. Look, Steve, it has no screen, no processor, no input device. It's radioactive. It melts through anything you set it on. It has no input devices. The screws are made of human bones. You can barely ball with it. $38,000 a unit is cheap. Tell me something I don't know, Rogue. His ex-wife walks in breastfeeding a black cube. She's all, okay, try to tell me this one's not yours. Supports <laughs> her all. <laughs> it's like a 2001 joke almost, Tom. Some words are all, Xbox One launch 2013. <laughs> Two years before Fallout 4. Damn it, Teddy, I need the spokesman to explode when I stop the tap solo. Also, my jeans need more lasers. Uh, got the jeans manufacturer's secretary on line four right now, Steve, or a toddler. Daniel Craig's walking towards us. The daughter walks towards them. She's 40 now, but wearing a child's wig and a third-grade jumper. <laughs> She's all, I hear you're not paying my Harvard tuition. He's all, uh, you only got into DeVry. I told you to follow up that McTate with other stuff. <laughs> You're just upset because I moved a house on top of Mom without letting you help. What is it, Winslet? Seth Rogen's cact is dead. Seth Rogen walks up and goes, Hey, Steve, I just want to say good luck again, and also the Apple II team would really appreciate it if you'd give them a shout. <laughs> Why do we keep having the same conversation backstage every seven years? The Apple II was like decades ago now. Aren't a lot of those guys elsewhere? Fine, you know what? I'm mad at you again. Don't expect to see me again for another seven years backstage to ask you to thank the Apple II team again. Maybe even eight years this time. He storms off. 
Seth Rogen will be here soon. Winslet says. Jeff Daniels walks on screen and goes, Hey, Steve, just wanted to say good luck. We're all behind you 10%. Steve Jobs is all, Oh, with knives poised as usual. He snaps his fingers and goes, Teddy, I need knives coming out of my dick for when I sing Hard Knock Life. I'll explain in post. Uh, you read my mind, Steve. Also, I think we need more tracking shots, and I need to be in my underwear like Birdman for this. Not really feeling these jeans. <laughs> it's me, by the way, Fastbender. Hello, Danny? The movie's over now, thank Christ. Stuhlbarg walks on screen. He's all, it's weird, I'm the only character who's aging convincingly, and I haven't even changed my hair, clothes, or diet. I mean, yes, I paid your daughter's tuition to Harvard. I guess I don't have kids of my own. What is it, Winslet? Your warm-up act is running late. Ugh, damn it, Kutcher! (laughs) (laughs) Your structure daughter's on a parking... Ugh. Steve Jobs looks back at Daniels and goes, By the way, I knew your McPain Extreme Sim would fail. After all, when you're holding a stylus with two fingers, a thumb, and your ring finger, what's your pinky drawn with? Think about that. He shakes his head, farting. The things we could have ruined together. He walks off, then comes back the other way and leaves again. (laughs) Jeff Daniels shakes his head while music plays, and he's all, The things. Steve Jobs finds a parking structure with his daughter on it. Dad, I know you're giving a speech here today, but I just parked here because I like concrete. <coughs> Steve Jobs is up. I know you did, Pumpkin. I've known it ever since the day you drew me this. He takes a piece of paper out of his pocket and unfolds it. It's the Time Magazine Man of the Year Cup. <laughs> Picture of the ghost sitting at a table watching a TV show about graph paper. Famous photograph. The ghost watching the graph paper TV show at the table. (laughs) (laughs) It's a ghost. (laughs) Table. That's a picture of. It's a ghost. Graph paper television show. On television set. Yep. That is. That's what he's jealous of. He's all, damn it! Look, honey, I know I haven't been the best natural father anyway, so what fucking difference? I mean, uh, hey, I know what'll bring us together. Show me one of your term papers. My what? One of your term papers. Whatever your major is. Who gives a shit? So my speech will start late for the first time ever. Impromptu parroting's always more important than the last scene of a movie. Uh, I don't really carry those around with me in the car. Plus, since you didn't pay my tuition, I got expelled, so... Show me one of your fucking term papers! God damn it! The shareholders of future can't wait, Barbara. Oh, Jesus. All right, here. <sighs> George Washington was first president. Cherry tree, wooden teeth. Yeah, eh, lost the Civil War. Blah, blah, blah. Paul Giamatti words. <laughs> Dad, look, it's not my fault. I paid someone to write that. It's okay, sweetie. With your mother's genes, my bar for you has always been low. Hey, I got something to cheer you up. Hold out your eyes and shut your hands. I mean, yeah, okay, right, there. Now, imagine a device the size, weight, and smell of an old brick but a brick that fits in your pocket has the Apple logo on it. It comes with an earbud. And it comes with a thousand songs on it. Okay, you can open your eyes now. Uh, my hands are still empty. I know, I said imagine it. They're not ready yet. Idiots in R&D are trying to tell me you can hold up to 50,000. Where's their vision? I'm not sure I even think there are a thousand songs, Daddy. Plus, there's only a handful I really like to listen to more than once. I mean, you don't even really like the Beatles. You'll download a thousand songs and like it. 
I mean, uh, thanks for the term paper. Hey, want to come inside, watch your old man backstage, see him go out of focus? Uh, <laughs> I guess. <but> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they walk off screen. After a minute, Winslet shows up. She's all. And now for some Easter eggs. The end. <laughs> All right, so here we go, another biopic. <clears throat> Look, nothing else came out this week. But you know what? I just want to announce, and I want to know if I'm the only one who did this. I did a dingus, and I binge-watched uh, most of the Kutcher one after I saw Steve Jobs. Uh, I think I saw the Kutcher one a long time ago. Oh, uh, you really saw remember. it? I think so. Wait, wait, it's just one movie, right? Yeah, how do you binge-watching? Binge thing is, he might have watched it over and over and over several times, no, just, but only part of it. I was it. doing a callback to your uh, Rima Williams when you said you binge-watched to finish it. Oh, because I was... Well, that was me just doing, like, you know, five minutes... At, right, because that was... Yeah. Previously, I'd been doing it a few minutes at a time. Right? I found it hard to finish, so I'm really... I think it's hilarious that you saw that in the theater. <laughs> no, 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 I... I don't think I did. I think I probably would have. Is it on, is it on Netflix or something? Maybe I didn't see it. Maybe I'm thinking of the one where Ashton Kutcher plays a wrestler. <laughs> you like that one? I do. I do. Dude, yeah. it's so the Kutcher one makes me made me like uh, the Fast Better one way more. Isn't it about like him and Bill Gates though? Like, isn't uh, that the premise? Oh, I'm thinking of something. His else. whole life though. It's not Lincolny yeah. where it's just one thing, but like Lincolny where it's just one thing. Explain Kelly Wand. Well, it's just like a small, like Lincoln's just about uh, a couple months in his life where he's trying to like get a, an amendment passed, and um, it's not like about his rise to power. And Jobs is like uh, the Gregory Peck Lincoln version of the Spielberg one. Mm-hmm. And then, how would Steve Jobs fit into this equation? Better than that, like I was not. It, Steve Jobs is kind of like Social Network, I thought, but meets Lincoln. I don't know. It's really tight. It's really shackled to that structure. And I, after seeing both movies, I got the sense that neither of them were really biopics. They were kind of just like fan fictiony. You don't think the Ashton Kutcher one is a biopic? Uh, it's too lionizing. I don't know, and it's too dopey. Like it's like a TV. Plenty of, it's like the O.J. Simpson TV movie on Fox. Plenty of biopics are dopey and lionized. Like I don't think that we saw straight out of. No, Compton, I know, but I here's the thing: he, Ashton Kutcher is not. He's not. He's the reason I wanted to see it was like I can't even picture him playing the same character Fassbender was playing. And then when I saw it, I went, "Okay, he's not because he's not that smart. Like he didn't seem smart enough to play a programmer." And I thought that would be interesting, but it's really just him like struggling through the lines and stuff. Although there's a couple other, like J.K. Simmons is in it, and James Woods is in it as his dean, and they all just kind of stroll on every once in a while. There's like, mm -hmm. but it's still, um, I don't know. That's a different Jobs movie. I guess you guys didn't see it. It's <laughs> really dumb for the only one who did the Kutcher plot. Well, I know Dingus has been watched, binge-watched a lot of Aaron Sorkin TV, so Dingus is our I would say our Aaron Sorkin authority. Uh, how did you feel about having to see another biopic? Um, I, having I don't th those are two different. You're you're bringing up two different things right there. Because um, my my takeaway from having to watch a biopic about something because uh, I also watched um, Social Network 
to try to figure out how those two things, you know, I don't know how they relate to each other. Um, but then I started to realize that the things that um, Aaron Sorkin does that most touch me are his television things. And I think he's a television writer. Um, I, I just think that the, the stuff that he does, and there's a couple of things that, um, you know, in watching this and then watching social network again, and then watching a couple of, of key episodes of West wing and a couple of things from sports night, I just think that the guy understands and his rhythm is more related to the rhythm of of really good television. I'm not saying that as an insult in any way, Um, but I don't think it works um, for movies. Uh, You know, and I watched I tried to watch some of American President again. There's a couple of movies I've liked of his. I, I didn't care for that weird Alec Baldwin doctor movie. Um, but you know, while I like the, yeah, I watched Moneyball a couple of times. Uh, it doesn't work for me. I don't care. I mean, again, his patter, his rhythm, I think it works for an hour or a half hour. Uh, but, and, and that's why as far as watching, uh, Steve Jobs, the first act of this movie really worked for me. I really was very excited about it. But by the end, I was really pissed off. Uh, I, I just did, I, you know, part of it is this, the same thing that happened in social network. It's if I don't like the guy that you end up talk, you know, making this biography about, I don't know the, I don't know what I'm supposed to come up, up with if you can't figure out a way uh, to make a compelling story out of it. So, so a crappy father who in the end finds redemption because he says he's going to give his daughter a thousand songs in her pocket and pay her tuition. And then finally at the end of her life, <laughs> he's going to hook, you know, and now I'm your dad. And I finally admit it. I mean, as a dad, I find that really offensive and annoying. And if you as a writer can't make me figure out a way to really like that or, care for him i mean i liked the structure or the idea of it and i certainly loved the first act but i think aaron sorkin for me on whole um is a tv writer and that's and i don't mean that as an insult i don't mean he's a sitcom writer i mean he's a guy who does fucking great my favorite tv shows but his movies don't work for me i think I was just going to say that for me, Sorkin is like, um, it's like he, his individual lines are really well crafted, but if you, like, you can't tell who would say what line, like all his characters yeah. talk the same, yeah. like sports it's, night, you couldn't tell from his, if you just saw a line written down, you wouldn't be able to tell which character said it. And, and that, that was my, my, one of my difficulties was what, as I was writing notes for this, I felt like I was writing as much as I had written during, if you'll excuse me, Bone Tomahawk. Um, but all of a sudden I started thinking, oh my gosh, all I'm writing is the same person saying the same thing. Whereas Bone Tomahawk, I, I, every time I read one of those lines, I know exactly who said it. And when I was, when I was transcribing my notes for this, I had to constantly think, wait, who said this line? Wait, who said this line? Wait, who said this line? They're all and, witty. Um, well, it's just him talking. And yes. I mean, I appreciate his writing. I appreciate his voice, but I just don't think it works for two and a half hours. Anyway. Was this two and a half hours? It felt like it. <laughs> I mean, it might have been. I, I wasn't aware of the running time. I, uh, okay. Anyway, three... Tom, where, where are you? Yeah. 
So I, I don't have the, the uh, experience with, with uh, Aaron Sorkin you do, Dingus. Like, I don't know. I know very little of West Wing and none of it from when Aaron Sorkin was on it. Uh, and I, I've seen Social Network. I had no idea he did that President movie. I didn't know he did that Alec Baldwin as a Surgeon as God movie. I don't remember a lot about those. Um, and I definitely, there were times during this movie that it was almost comical that they were doing the walking and talking. I think he did that on okay. purpose. At one point, he said, let, let, walk with me. I think it was kind of him He said at least twice. Yeah. yeah, so there were times where it was almost comical because, to me, that's kind of the stereotype of Aaron Sorkin is just people walking and doing clever patter. Um, and it does feel very stylized, but I, didn't, I don't really have an issue with that because... So I was going to do with you guys a good writing, bad writing contest, but... I don't think there's any bad writing in this. It all sounds like him. Sure, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, Shakespeare all sounds like Shakespeare. No. Uh, and I don't mean to say he's the equivalent of Shakespeare, but I do mean to compare them in that they're both very stylized. Uh, so I didn't mind that, and I did think that all the writing in this was good. Uh, there were some lines that are better than others, but I, there was nothing I would pull out of here and say, oh, this is a clunker. Um, so, and I also... Uh, Dingus, I asked you before I went to see it, and you rightly didn't answer, but I asked you if this was going to be a chore movie. Because I think of, like, like biopics are, are so often, Kelly Wan, you mentioned, you know, biopics that lionize people and biopics that have convenient redemption, and especially biopics where the, the subject is involved in the making of the movie, like in Straight Outta Compton. Um, and I, none of that felt like the case here. And Kelly Wan, I'm glad you brought up Lincoln, because whereas Lincoln just told you a story about Abraham Lincoln through the lens of one event. I really liked Adam, uh, Aaron Sorkin uh, telling us the story, not even necessarily about Steve Jobs, but about Steve Jobs' relationship to his daughter through the structure, very imposed, of Steve Jobs under the pressure right before a launch announcement. And there's even a point where somebody, uh, or, or I think he says... Is, is everyone going to get drunk and tell me five minutes before launch how they feel about me? Right. And that's exactly what happens. And I kind of feel like, I, I guess there's like this self-awareness. I mean, it knows it's doing this. It knows it's unfolding everything like a stage play where character A, B, C, and then D is going to have to make an appearance. And this arc is going to have to be wrapped up with this character, and then this character's got to show up. Um, so I didn't mind the contrivances of an Aaron, Aaron Sorkin dialogue in a a very specific, sometimes forced structure, because it all felt like good writing to me, and I think Danny Boyle knows pacing, and I didn't think there was a clunk of a performance in this either. I loved Kate Winslet, especially. Michael Fassbender is perfectly capable of, even though you're right, Dingus, he's not a likable guy, and I can see that alienating some people, but I don't think... They were. They clearly weren't trying to make him likable. Yeah. I mean, this was this was him in all of his flawed assholeness, uh, and I, you know, I I completely understood that, and I, I didn't, I'm not sure I liked the guy either. Uh, I, I loved uh, Michael Stuhlbarg in this. Seth Rogen was great as Seth Rogen as Steve Wozniak. Uh, so I, I was really taken with this. I quite liked it, partly because Dingus. I think I was expecting a chore movie, and it didn't feel like that at all to me. Well, I agree with you. It's not a chore movie, and I love the structure. Um, I like the way it plays out, and I boy, I will listen to Aaron Sorkin dialogue till the cows come home. That's why you know I I listened to. I mean, I watched right after this. After watching this, I watched uh, one of my favorite episodes of West Wing called Two Cathedrals um, because I think it matches up well with this, 
and then watch uh, Social Network as well, which starts off with somebody saying to uh, the dude, you're an asshole. It, whereas this at the end, somebody says you're an asshole. Um, but it, it, I mean, I, I mean, his his dialogue is like butter. I mean, I will. I love listening to his dialogue and I really like the idea of the structure and that he never violates that idea of we're not going to give you the what happens but we're we're just going to lead up to that and that's why I watched two cathedrals because uh, the two cathedrals episode of West Wing leads up to whether or not the president's going to give his announcement to run again um, so a lot of this is all we're running up to this moment where and, and it's all the behind the scenes things until the and all those crazy things and that thing that you said Tom about you know everybody has to get drunk and tell me exactly what they mean you know exactly what they think five minutes before I do a launch. I love that whole thing. It's just that, um, I don't know. I just, I guess I find the guy so tedious by the end and I find it sort of offensive that he gets to have a, a father redemption at the end of his life after not, after being such a dick for. Now, what do you mean redemption? Because I felt like it, it didn't try to gloss over anything he'd done and how much of an asshole he was. And I get the sense that, even though he's not being uh, demonstrative of it, there is some genuine regret there, and he oh, knows yeah, yeah. that he failed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, redemption in the sense that, yeah, he's finally got a relationship with his daughter, and there's a sweet moment where she's like, yeah, okay, Dad, I'll watch the launch announcement. Right. Uh, because so it has kind of a moment. happy ending, but I don't know that it necessarily... I guess when I think of redeem, I think of somehow making up for uh, or being saved from the implications of things that you've done. And maybe... Um, that that might not be a, a fair interpretation of the word. Uh, but I don't feel like I, – I felt like the ending, he still – like it didn't try to – I don't feel like it was trying to imply that he had made up for being an asshole. Uh, it felt more like a like a change of heart and finally coming around. Right, right. I guess that's fair. I, I, still, I still feel that – like that whole rooftop thing that went on forever – and uh, and and her, you know, him saying that he's broken, and then going, oh, I'm going to pay your tuition. Uh, I am your father. All right, let then come down and see. And I'm going to put a thousand songs in your pocket. Come down and see my talk. And then the the that gauzy, I'm going to walk off stage to embrace you kind of moment. Uh, I I think that's all. You know, you can go your whole life and not be a dad, and then at the last moment, you can say, I'm going to pay your tuition and walk off and say, Yes, I am your dad. And, but that's just a personal thing for me, and and that's I think part of that that whole thing about Steve Jobs. He just he does things that are going to be the best thing for him. I mean, that whole next thing, the whole launching of the next thing is is I, I'm just I'm throwing this thing out there, and I'm going to throw a bunch of people under the bus. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs. I'm just doing this so that Apple will buy me back. Uh, I mean. And I understand that as a biography, and that's fine. It's just that, you know, I just don't care for the guy enough to uh, buy into the movie as much, I guess. And and, and as much as I, I, I think you're right that Danny Boyle knows how to pace a movie like this, it still feels like somebody's just been hired to do an Aaron Sorkin script in the same way that, um, oh, God, I can't even remember who did Social Network, and he's a great director. David Fincher. He, David, David Fincher, Fincher yeah. was, you know, doing a, an Aaron Sorkin script. I don't know. Uh, uh, Kelly, so you're with me though in that like you you don't necessarily need a likable character. Yeah. I'm guessing that that wasn't really an issue for you. You definitely don't need a likable character. And also, just to put things in perspective, like in the Kutcher one, after they fire him, he goes home and he like sits around in his garage while sad music plays, and then he starts crying, and then his dad comes in and like hugs him. <laughs> oh, his own dad. His own, yeah. 
Oh, uh, that's sweet. That's well, sweet. I, mean, that, no, yeah. I don't need a likable character, and there's plenty of movies no, I like without no. likable characters, but I just don't. Right, you're saying it was an object, like it was difficult. It's just kind of like in Everest, like you didn't. Okay, you didn't sure. sympathize. No, with and I, the I definitely didn't like. I think Jobs is a piece of shit. I think I hate. I think yeah. Movies, I mean, in, in the movie too, it's very clear about he's an yeah, asshole. No. Like it's not like right. trying to hide yeah, that, and, and that's kind of what the movie is about: is the fact that this guy was a visionary. He did these amazing things, but guess what? What a dick! Yeah, he's a total dick. Like, he fucked over Wozniak for f- the five thousand yeah. dollars. Like, you know, anyone who does that, like, I can't take anything for the rest of your life seriously. Like, you're such an asshole for that. And like, it goes against everything that you. And there, oh, and by the way, there's a scene in the Kutcher one where when he comes back to Apple, he's like looking at a guy's drawing on the wall. He's like, "Why'd you do this? If you have you have more vision here than you should." And and then the guy. It's like a British dude gives a speech and like because some of us still believe in what you did when you were here and you just have a thing and da, da, da. and then catches all. I want everyone in here to create something. Just make it anew. And then like music's playing and like the sun shining on his face. Like and I saw that right after the fast better one. So I actually, I think I'm with both of you. Like I I agree with Diggis though. Like I didn't like the ending of this. I thought it was very staged and very TV like. The end of a Shirley or suddenly is like, all right, forget the last 28 minutes of shenanigans. We really love. So here's kind of my theory about that. Uh, By the time it was over, because I didn't know how far it was going to go. Like, I didn't know it was going to cut off at the release of this blue iMac thing, which, by by the way, I have no recollection really of any of these because I was never a Mac guy. I I had an Apple II growing up. And after that, until I got an iPhone, I, I didn't know what Macs were doing. And I made fun of people who had Macs. I was a PC guy. Uh, so I didn't have any – and I had no idea what this next thing was. I'd never even heard yeah, of it. Yeah, I hadn't either. Uh, it's fascinating. So I had no idea how far it was going to go. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, well, obviously it's going to get to him introducing the iPhone, which is where it yeah. really took off. And Apple culture really became a thing that infected people. Uh, and realize so that we're, early we're gonna, interview that they, that they show with Asimov. Yeah, so obviously that's where we're going to end up. Um, so I kind of think of this movie in a way as an origins story for the iPhone. In a way, and I also think it's an origins story for this this fond um, – I don't know if hagiography is the word, but this, this really uh, – like people think of Steve Jobs as a heroic – uh, figure like Lion, a visionary, right? And it was kind of an an, an origin story for how we're going to think of this dick, this guy who's right. a real jerk, especially to his daughter. How we come to think of him as a as a lionized visionary. It's like an or an origin story for his reputation uh, amongst people uh, who don't know any yeah, better. Yeah. Uh, and he kept taking licks, and that's what made him a good person in the end. Was he got his ass handed to him in right. corporate boardrooms well, six full time. I think, too, because we basically saw him die. Like, I think that also, yeah. you kind of lionize a figure when that happens as well. I didn't watch him uh, die. Well, that was we, No, but, well, but no, during our... Him, I didn't know, yeah. too, if it was going to get into his... I don't, was it pancreatic cancer or something? Like, I don't know if we were going to get into his death, just like at Lincoln. You know, at Lincoln, at, we didn't see the assassination. I didn't know if this movie was going to do that. Um, but it was a very public death, Kelly Wand, and everybody knew he was sick. His death was like, we knew he didn't have much time. Uh, it was a very public death. So in that sense, we all saw it, and it, it, it leads to us kind of lionizing the man, in a way. I think it, I'm sorry, Dingus, like, yeah, I think it does hang over this movie for me. And yeah. There's another movie that we saw recently where there was another sort of weird thing that was hanging over the movie the whole time that was like that. I can't remember. What 
Well, Lincoln, like, do, do you not feel that way about Lincoln? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. The fact I that you feel know... that way about Lincoln, but there's another one that I can't forget. Interstellar? No, not Interstellar. There was a there was a real movie where where some where there's this this thing that's hanging over the entire movie where I was constantly feeling like anyway I'll I'll get, I'll come up with it and I'll have to post it at some point. So I'm not gonna come up with it now. But the the fact that he died as Tom said, so Paul Walker, a, a, a fairly oh yeah, actually it was Kelly Wan. Thank you. It yeah. was that that weird thing about In, In Fury Seven, Seven yeah. where I was constantly feeling during the whole thing about that the Paul that that cast over the movie that's a very different thing thematically and also uh, but the, but the, watching Steve Jobs continually get more and more wan as he as he would show up in public and you know talk about like like the different ways he was trying to cure himself through eastern medicine and whatnot and that wasn't working and how he finally died did kind of hang over this movie for me and uh, often that what? movie with about the Phil Seymour Hoffman movie, *Reason Hamburg*. With well, that's a bit different. Like, those are like actors you're watching in a movie when you know they're going to die. I mean, this yeah. is as a biopic yeah. of the guy who we lionized because he died. This is a little subversive in, in reminding us what an asshole right. he was. Right um, now, is that is that paint thing that Lisa did early on? Is that supposed to somehow presage the way he designed the iMac? Is that Oh gosh, I wouldn't know. I, 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 the, I'm assuming too. By the way, Dingus, I don't know for sure that a lot of this stuff was just invented. All right, right. Like, do, do we know? Like, did he really? Have oh, a, I don't. An early I've never even of heard paint? of Elisa before. But just year. looking at the, that picture that she drew in paint that in that first scene, it, it sort of has that weird, like sloping look that the that the iMac finally comes up with. And I don't know if the movie's trying to get us to think that or the Easy Bake Oven or what. Uh, maybe that's just me. Never mind. Moving on. I had a cost. Uh, I was Texas Instruments, by the way, when I was a kid. I was Commodore sixty four. Uh, Atari's. Hmm. Uh, so I did appreciate, though, and Dingus, you <laughs> mentioned the the sort of the look of the iMac. Uh, I appreciated because I kind of felt I I've come down very strongly on one side or the other of this issue. This idea of engineering the kind of work that they were doing versus art and entertainment. You know, somebody who writes a symphony versus somebody who makes uh, an iMac. Uh, because I kind of feel like Steve Jobs is constantly trying to blur the line, and, and he basically really says, I, you know, I'm, I'm just like a guy who makes a painting. I'm doing this with, with a computer. Uh, I, like, I don't agree with that. I, I think the engineering is very different from the creation of art and, and, and entertainment. But that's very much a kind of part of of Apple culture, isn't yeah. it? This idea that, 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 that from the design of these things to the whole Apple store experience, uh, like, and I think Steve Jobs really does bring to this line of computers this idea that there's, a, there's an aesthetic to it in the same way that there's an aesthetic to, to architecture, to sculpture, to, to, to music even. Well, well, well he was right. so insistent on the, on the specs of the cube that he was making for the next. Right, exactly, sure, yeah. Um, it had to look cubicle, even if it wasn't a real cube. Well, it also like also this idea. I'm sorry, go ahead, Kelly. Oh, no, that was it. That was a. It was just like. And it was also this idea, you know, because it was a philosophy for him. Like, what what does he do? Like, he he's not a programmer, and he's not when somebody says you don't know how to write code, and he's not quite a marketer. Uh, like, what does he do? And that was one of the things I was wondering during the movie. And there's a great part where they explain. He's like it's like someone conducting an orchestra because I, you know, Tom Chick, I don't understand what an orchestra conductor does, and I've always wondered that. 
Why is that guy? Because nobody's looking at him, by the way. <laughs> when you see someone in an orchestra, they're looking at the music. And they're like, what is that dude up there doing? What good is he? I know they're important. I don't know why. So for yeah. the for the movie to tell me Steve Jobs is kind of like a conductor, I'm like, okay, I don't quite understand, but fair enough. Obviously, he's a big deal the same way a conductor is a big deal. So I loved that analogy, <laughs> and I found that very instructive. I did too, and I wonder if that it relates to the difference between a screenwriter and a movie director. Hmm. In, in that, uh, because the movie director is basically directing the or, directing the musician. I mean, the the difference between what a, a director does in modern times is uh, the director is much more like a conductor, and the writer is is I don't know, underneath that, and then everybody else working are the musicians. But in this case, it's pretty writerly. I do kind of feel that like Dingus, like a director, it, certainly a, a visionary director. Like I understand what David Fincher and Danny Boyle and the Coen Brothers do, but I still don't know why Zabin Muta or what or Muta. What I can't even think of a conductor's name. Why a dude standing up there makes a big deal when nobody's watching him? What's the flag? Like, I, I, and maybe it's because I, I know more about movies and orchestras, uh, yeah. and I know nothing about music and how it works. But when he said, "What does a conductor do that a metronome can't do?" Right. I, I immediately went, oh, yeah, of course. It's like, true. There are no famous conductors like Tom <laughs> Newman. There are plenty of them. Are there? And, and yeah, it's kind of a Seinfeld joke. He's like, okay, let, get us going. And once we're going, all right, you can do whatever you want to do. Now we're going. Right. Thanks for getting us going. Yeah, conductors are totally famous, Kelly Wan. Like a lot of times when a, a, an orchestra will have a particular not production or a show to play a particular symphony, it's under the heading of the particular conductor and then the composer of the music. Conductors are totally famous. Yeah. Uh, and at Zubin Meta, is that? Did I, I'm just pulling that out of my head. Isn't that a conductor's name? Leonard Bernstein. Maybe he's a violinist. Uh, Leonard Bernstein. Thank you, Dingus. Yes. Yeah. Who is he's Shuffle. famous because he waves the stick perfectly. Like he's a stick waving. Dingus, were you saying Shostakovich? Yeah. Oh, because I think of him as I thought he was a composer. Jeez. I mean, you may be right. Again, I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, Joe so, yeah, so I don't, again, I'm sorry I don't have a, a good writing, bad writing contest this week, because I have a hard time. Let's talk about the cast. Um, how quickly did you guys recognize Kate Winslet? I didn't. It took me several lines into that first scene. The third act I did, pointly. <laughs> Once she finally lets her hair down. Yeah. Uh, I, that was one thing that I really like about uh, what Danny Boyle did with this is the progression of aesthetics through those three stages. And he even, it seems like he was working with a different film stock uh, in each of the phases, and certainly the, the different looks of the characters, um, and how Kate Winslet's character suddenly becomes like beautiful in the third act. <laughs> uh, so I, I really liked that progression. I, liked, I loved seeing Steve Jobs finally wearing the turtleneck, and with that sort of gray eminence look that he had in, in the end, uh, when, he, when Michael Fassbender comes into that. Uh, so visually, I love the progression of the movie. No one looked good in the seventies. It's weird. They, you say, I mean, they look. They just look so different. But I can. But when you saw know. someone good looking, it was startling. And now everyone's kind of like. <laughs> I guess. We were, yeah, we were seen with very different eyes back then. Maybe like Barney know. Miller, like Abe Vigoda. And Kelly Wan did Sarah Fawcett look good. Back yeah, yeah, and Jacqueline Smith. So then, sure, but that's what I'm saying. Like they were all on one show, and that was the show where oh, it's the good-looking women. Show. I thought Lindsay Wagner looked good as a bionic woman. Eh, I didn't like her cheeks. Man, I don't remember oh. that much. I like okay, Heather Thomas more. 
than Catherine Bach. But no, it it is it is funny just seeing the clothes and the the hair and yeah, it's uh, yeah, very different aesthetic. Fair enough, Kelly Wand. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. No, I know. I just felt dumb for even going off on that. But Fassbender, uh, you know, you got to give him cho- uh, props. Not chops. He has chops. Well, he's he's, he's chops. got chops, and you give him props. Right. Yes, like, props for his chops. Because yeah. it's yep. not... He doesn't look anything like this guy, and he's playing... I don't know. I like when British people... Which I love, by the way. Yeah. Compare that to what, whatever the heck Johnny Depp thought he was doing in Black Mass. Yeah. Just just look like yourself. Be an actor and, and do it with your performance. Yeah. Don't give us crazy contact lenses and prosthetic noses. Right. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, what he's doing here reminds me of of what uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's doing in Capote, is that he's he's, right. he's messing around with the voice, but he's obviously physically not that type, and he's not he doesn't look like Dream Capote at all, but he's just getting the essence of the character, and I think Fassbender yeah. is doing that perfectly here. And he's and now you guys may not go ahead, Kelly. Well, just like he's finding something that he can do, he can find in himself that he can draw from, like a similar quality, and I think it's just like really shrewd intelligence and presence. Because like in in the Kutcher one, it's like he's just buying entirely on like a slight physical resemblance, and there's like a shot where he has like crow's feet makeup, but they show it in close up because it's the only time you're ever going to see it because you get the sense he probably didn't even want it on, yeah. but like. The medium shots. I'll stop talking about the Kutcher one. Sorry. Wasn't Wasn't Kutcher nominated for an Oscar though? For was he? <laughs> you know that was yeah, what he was wanting to do. No, uh, I think he was. He was Kelly Wand. Yeah, that year. There was a lot of talk about whether or not he would get it. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I watched it. All right. Try to make a That's point. why in all the previews now, a movie with Ashton Kutcher, it says Academy Award nominee Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. I wonder what. I wonder if he saw the Fastbender one and went, "Ugh, what? This is bullshit." All he does is talk backstage. Fuck you guys. <laughs> How do you think Toby Jones felt about the Philip Seymour Hoffman Capote? <laughs> probably similar, and uh, and probably worse because he's a really good actor. Was well, Kutcher? Ashton Kutcher was just like. He tried once. All right, the Oscar trick didn't work. Kelly, why you haven't seen uh, the movie where he plays a wrestler? You don't remember the name of it. Yeah, personal effects. <laughs> You've never Michelle said it before. I, don't, I tried to look it up. <laughs> personal <laughs> effects is a wrestler movie. That's such a. I know, right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, well. It's not a wrestler movie. He plays uh, like a like a college wrestler, and he a kid that he's coaching is Michelle Pfeiffer's son, and he has an affair with Michelle Pfeiffer. Spoiler. Uh, so it's more it's an affair movie, not a wrestler movie. One of the characters happens to be a wrestler. I yeah. like her in all movies. I think. Well, see how you feel about her, like with, with her sort of macking on uh, Ashton Kutcher. Like her see if that works for you. But also the Stuhlbarg thing in. Um, Steve Jobs, like, okay, he pays his boss's daughter's tuition. Did that seem... Does that... Like, I assume that actually happened. I don't know, but it made sense to me. Is that, really? is that His explanation yeah. is that I, I know you'll pay me back. I'm just going to do it and, t- and that you guys will, you know, that you guys will come to some sort of accord. And when you do, I know you'll pay me back. I'm just trying to like, picture that, that like, my boss threatened to fire me. 
if I didn't fix something. You're also, Kelly Wan, keep this in mind, you're also rich and $25,000 is probably right. nothing to you. And they've, yeah, I know, they've, but why would they've I been in this relationship for so many years. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. just the, I think the dynamic in that scene, that scene is wonderful where, uh, you know, where he's, where he has, where he's admitting that he's paid the tuition and, uh, and Jobs is so mad about it. And he's explaining that what Tom has exactly said here. And, you know, I, I love the dynamics in that scene. I think Michael Stuhlbarg is awesome in this movie. But is he friends with the daughter, or is he just like... He's he's the nice guy. He's the nice, like, father, like, uh, not father figure, but uh, what's the word I would use? I don't know, the substitute who's going to be the nice guy who's going to take care of it until dad comes in and does it. Because the the reality is is that she's going to lose a semester if he if it doesn't get right. taken care of, and right. he does it, and it makes Steve Jobs really mad because it is really a violation of that sort of what should be going on in the parent daughter relationship. But he just didn't take care of the the details of it. He left it off, and Michael Stuhlbarg, one of the two Andys, um, is this little propping up moment and i love the way that they work through that whole dynamic it's so weird it's so difficult it's so awkward that that scene between the two of them is wonderful and any of the scenes between uh michael fassbender and kate winslet are wonderful as well i mean the scenes in this are great i mean the the play structure again again the structure is great i love this as far as structure sure. is concerned She'll get, I mean, just because uh, it's kind of rare, it's difficult. I mean, there are fewer cool women's roles around, but she'll definitely get an Oscar nomination, don't you think? Yeah. For this. Well, I don't know. I haven't looked at, like, who else is up for it. For supporting actors. Yeah. Like, it would be like, a, yeah. yeah, I guess why so. Did, why didn't her character pay the tuition? If she's. I know Kelly Wand, right? Jeez. You'd think Aaron Sorkin would have thought of that. Maybe she's it really just happened with oh, his life. Yes. Yeah. I guess. Uh, okay, so you mentioned the two uh, Andes. Uh, you guys don't. I, I'm assuming you didn't recognize the Andrea character. The Andrea character. Yeah, the 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 girl Andy, who was like the I don't know, the, not the house manager, but the one always telling him, you know, five minutes, or the the, the redhead who was the other Andy. Oh, Sarah. The Sarah. I don't know what's her name. Why do you know that, Dingus? I don't know. It just popped into my head. Close. Yeah, Sarah Snook. Snook. Thank you. Uh, oh. No. Uh, but no. What? Why would I know her? Okay, well, there's a there's a movie that you guys should probably both see because she's amazing in it. Uh, a movie called Predestination with her and Ethan. Oh, Hawk. you've talked about huh. that. Damn it. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, you like, don't you can't know anything about it and, and what's going on in the movie. But uh, Sarah, Sarah Snook is is absolutely like, you know, holy crap, who is this woman? Uh, it's one of those kind of movies. Yeah. All right. So it's kind of cool seeing her in this. Yeah. How come you ever told me to see Predestination before? He's, just told, like, he's uh, told us before. I know he has. Or the, oh. I think he's told I've me before, before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not a great... It's a, so, Kelly Wan, do you know the movie uh, Undead, that Australian zombie movie? The, the, the one where the two gas? Brothers yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like a, It's got an alien kind of subplot thing. Oh, no. Oh. Well, the, the two brothers made it, who I presume are Australians, the Spirig brothers, I think is their name. And then uh, they did a movie, oh, also with Ethan Hawke, I think, uh, called Daybreakers or something, where, where like vampires are running the world. Oh, I love it. I kind of, I know I didn't love it, but it was okay. It was a good, it was a good. Well, well, that that was like uh, eight years ago or something. This is their next movie since then. I don't know what's happened, oh. but Predestination was the, the same two brothers. Oh, all right. 
basically. And it's a, it's an amazing Sarah Snook performance, so I recommend that. Yeah. What a cool name, too. I know. I, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you couldn't even think up something that good. Although it does sound vaguely Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what um, how do you guys feel about Jeff Daniels? I, I I mean, I, as I was watching it, I was thinking, I bet Dingus is watching this thinking about that uh, newsroom show. Because yes. isn't, isn't Jeff Daniels doing a bunch of Aaron Sorkin stuff in newsroom? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, huh. And there was of late, and this is why it was on my radar, there's this, you know, part of the uh, publicity for this is him talking about him having to audition for Aaron Sorkin <laughs> in a hotel uh, restaurant for brec- at breakfast. Oh, meaning to be in newsroom. Yeah, to be in newsroom oh. because Aaron Sorkin was, you know, I really like you, but I don't know if you can get the anger. And then there's this this whole story about him at the table with Aaron Sorkin and uh, telling the story and getting angry and everybody in the room going, why is he getting so angry? What's going on? And that was his audition. That's that audition story thing. I, I thought you meant even though he'd been in newsroom, he had to audition to Aaron Sorkin to be in newsroom. No, no, he movie. had to audition to be the lead in newsroom, which, again, is an, is another thing. I'm a total sucker for Aaron Sorkin TV stuff, and I really loved newsroom, even though it's it's total liberal porn. Well, I, I really did like the turnaround where you assume he's just going to be the evil suit uh and then you find out – and it's kind of a shame they had to do this with flashbacks, yeah. although I did like how they could play with – uh, you know the the different like like having uh, Michael Fassbender have long hair and a beard. Uh, so th- there was some cool like uh, costuming and and makeup stuff they could do. Uh, but I did like the reveal that it didn't go down the way everyone thought it went down and the way it really happened and how once again uh, Steve Jobs was a real dick. Uh, yeah. So I, I really like Jeff Daniels being a part of that because there's something so. Like Jeff, I heard someone say this about Michael Ruffalo once, or uh, 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 Mark Ruffalo once, that uh, no matter what a jerk he's being in a movie or what terrible things he's doing, there's still a likable quality to him. And it's the same thing with Jeff Daniels, uh, is that even, like, he's just so likable that even when you put him in the role of, like, the, the, the bureaucrat in The Martian, for instance, who didn't want Matt Damon to be rescued or whatever. Like, he's still so likable. Like, you can kind of understand, even when he's being a bureaucrat or something, you're kind of like, well, you know what? The guy's nice enough. He probably has a point. Uh, so Jeff Daniels just has that great quality to him that, that really works in a part like this. Yeah. Like, imagine someone like Paul Giamatti playing that, for instance. Oh, good Lord, no, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, real quick, uh, we, we have a good friend, Kelly Wand, who... Uh, has uh, very he, so he's the guy who disrecommended the latest Woody Allen movie for us, uh, and he's really good at like he'll see a movie that we all love and he won't like it, and he'll come up with like a little like five or six word review that is hilarious and kind of explains to me okay this is why he didn't care for it. An example is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, our friend Tony did not like this movie, and his review of it was Space Bro and the Who Cares Gang. <laughs> Like that right there was his whole assessment of it. He recently sent me his review of The Martian. You ready for this thing? You haven't heard this one either. His review of The Martian, Space Farmer and Lots of Meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and he did not like that one either. Wait, so his review of Steve Jobs would just be Lots of Meetings? Uh, he might like Steve Jobs. I don't know. He, he doesn't like a lot. Like he, this is rare, too. I don't think I've ever met anyone like this. He didn't like Gravity. Who doesn't like gravity? Uh, I met some people. They didn't like. I've, I've, I know. I know some guys. I know some people. 
All right. All right. Well, they should, they should hang out with our friend Tony and go see movies. I know one person who didn't like Fury Road, uh, a German person, because he said he didn't like that they turned around. He considered that like a huge, that story's stupid. It's stupid. And that's like the only time. Uh, was the girl playing uh, Lisa at the end anyone, Dingus? Did we know her from anything? I didn't recognize no, her. No, her name's uh, Perla Jadine, I think. Um, I hadn't seen her. I kind of liked her, but I, yeah. I, I don't know where she's from. Part of me is, is you, you're watching the movie the whole time, and you're thinking, okay, well, the daughter's going to grow up, and we're going to bring in an actress, and it's probably going to be someone famous, and it's going to be a cool reveal. I'm looking forward to that. Uh and it's someone we don't know. And I, I kind of get excited when you see an actor or actress you don't know in a role that is obviously going to be fairly prominent or at least very interactive with an actor you do know. Um, so, I, you know, I was expecting someone famous. She showed up, and, and I thought she was fine. She yeah. held her own nicely against uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I, did, I agree. I just don't understand what that final stuff on the stage is supposed to mean. Where he's he's going off to her and and go, going into gauzy gauze. Thing is, it's called fade to white. Yeah, it's a wrestler <laughs> ending. Kelly, one, what did you think of the girl who played the daughter? Um, I'd fuck Kate Winslet's clipboard. One two three, not only me, got one eighty. Kelly, one, why did you say that before we went to the over under? What's the matter with you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care, I guess. No, let's not even bother this time. Let's move on to three by three. Uh, I've, no, Dingus, what is your over-under for Steve Jobs? Jobs. See, for the movie we saw today. All right, my over-under for Steve Jobs. Uh, my over would be straight out of Compton. Uh, my un- <laughs> what? Wow. I like Dingus. I like Dingus. My Dingus. under would be American Sniper. <laughs> Man, you did not like this at all. My over... <laughs> my under would be Lincoln. Yeah. My under over... Under Lincoln for this? Yeah, I liked Lincoln, and I liked, I liked this. I'm bracketing, Dingus. I, but you didn't like this movie. I did like this movie, so my under is another movie I liked. Uh, Lincoln. Like, I feel that... Uh, Whereas Lincoln was mainly focusing on Daniel Day-Lewis, this movie was much more generous as an ensemble movie. Other characters mattered. They didn't just show up briefly. Uh, and it was more, I liked the structure of this more than, than Lincoln. You know, that, that contrived three-act structure. It was the same moment, you know, before a presentation each time. Lincoln was fine. It was just, you know, dealing with the what, 14th Amendment. Um, it didn't quite have the, this, this cool stage play quality. Um, and then my over would be something that I'm going to think of after Kelly Wand has given us his over-under. Ah, <laughs> oh, your under is Lincoln, and Dingus yep. is over. Because you guys didn't even think of them. Let's just not bother. Jeez. No, my under is oh, Lincoln, Dingus. I'm very straight. Yeah, Wait, yeah. Dingus, I did think of him. I was just saying, oh, let's do him after the Britney. I don't care. Not. No, we have to do him before because we talk about the movie still. Jesus. Yeah, I know, but no. I'm saying that's not a big deal. All right, if we want to drop this, it's okay. Jesus. What? Uh, no. Kelly, what I'm are s- yours? I'm saying we've lapsed a couple times and done Britney. <laughs> it's okay. If, if we want to drop that as a thing. No! What, what is yours? Drop Britney? What's the matter with you? We're not going to drop Britney. Look, Tom's no, not dropping Britney. It's dropping what we're doing over-unders because you guys aren't doing them. 
Well, I don't even know why you brought up dropping Brittany, Dingus. That's just I know, because I'm a crazy person. That's why. No, I did my over-under. I like him. Right. You're crazy. You're crazy. My mm. over is Moving noises on. off. Ah! And my under- Noises off? Yeah, you See, Dingus, what does that have to do with? What does that have to do with with Steve Jobs? Because it's a three-act play backstage. Ah, very good. Okay, fair enough. This is off is a great play. I mean, I loved seeing that on stage. It's great. Yeah, I like Voices Off. That's why it's my over. And then Mystery Train is my under. The Jim Jarmusch movie that's also an anthology, like three things set at Graceland, I think, or something. But I remember really liking the Japanese couple one in that movie, the first third, and then the last third being really bored. And and the, and that's kind of how I felt during, not bored, but like, when, once they get out of the parking structure and with Dingus, I think I kind of was like, I hope this is the last speech. I hope there's not an iPhone fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not a four X structure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my over is Birdman. Uh, as far as being uh, about a guy who's kind of not super sympathetic, not a very good dad, uh, and you get a lot of backstage uh, insight into what's going on. A tour de force. Yeah. It's a tour de force. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, what is this week's three by three? Now that we've done our over under, in inappropriate. Uh, what is this week's three by three that Kelly Wand is cheering? All right, these are your three by three. Your favorite signs in movies. So I was talking about street signs. Uh, the uh, examples I used were from a movie we watched for the last week's 3x3 three three that Tom instituted was the uh, three favorite quotes from a movie called Bone Tomahawk. And the examples I gave were the sign for the town where they live called um, Bright Hope. And it showed the, the 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 sign of the town and and the population of the town. And another sign was the piano player had this sign on his piano where he talks about you know how much it would cost for how many songs he would play. And as soon as he had sealed the deal for how many songs he was going to play with one of the characters, he flipped the sign over and it said, "Starting fee was one drink." I loved that sign, that sign that he put on his piano that said starting V1 drink. So I was mainly going for uh, street signs, that kind of thing, but that kind of hand-lettered sign was fine. I was really kind of leaning against anything that was uh, augmented by graffiti since we've done graffiti before. So your signs. So we're going with Kelly. Kelly is up next for our 3 by 3 so Kelly's the first one to talk. I thought this was a really good topic, even though mine kind of suck. So I'll probably just call it. But I think it's like a really fertile one. Like there was almost too many to choose from. So then I chose these instead. So <laughs> number three, uh, I like how in the raft one, in the creep show two, at the end, after the last guy gets killed, it pans over and there's a sign that says, no swimming. <laughs> I got a really big laugh when I saw it. And I was like, ah. if, they had, yeah. if they had seen that sign, do you think they would have uh, complied and not gone swimming? They saw it and didn't care, I assume. Okay, but we didn't and see it, so the movie. Therefore, they got their just desserts. That's what they get for disregarding the sign. Right? Well, when teens see a sign that says "no swimming," they don't normally go, "Oh fuck, guys, shit, <laughs> fuck, fuck." 
All right, guys, we're going to drive to the ocean now. That never happens. Right. I've hung out with teenagers just to study this phenomenon, and I can tell you, even if there's like an oil slick that's trying to murder you through the right. cracks in the raft, you get yeah, to go yeah. out there. You got to see because you you've driven all this way. You right. got to get in the water, right? Yeah. The sign's not a deterrent, and the monster's not a deterrent. Sure, it's sure. still all worth right. it. Because mm-hmm. there's always a threat. You just you got to take a risk, right? You might drown anyway, so why are you going to let the oil monster dissuade you? Right. But I like to think that the guy who wrote the sign watched all of it and was like, see? I kind of want to change one of mine now. You know what I think? Because mine was that good? Or because... It reminded me of something. Because the sign, no swimming, that I I just planted in your head, like an inception, made you think... Oh, wait, no swimming. Oh, wait, I shouldn't swim on this topic. I should rethink all my choices thematically. Nope, I'm set. Here's my list right here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I had no idea what to do with this, because I was trying to just do road signs. And the first one I thought of, it wasn't the sign itself isn't cool. It's just a cool scene that happens to have a sign in it that does something. Um, but it was the first one I thought of, so I'm putting it in there, because I had trouble coming up with anything else, mainly because I was sticking with road signs. Um one of these is not a road sign, and it's the one that Kelly made me just think of. Uh, but this road sign, the first one I thought of when Dingus says signs, is in Close Encounters when uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus is stopped at the railroad crossing, and he's lost, and the, the UFO flies over him. Uh, that railroad crossing sign oh, yeah. is one of the things that kind of freaks out right, really yeah. prominently. Some mailboxes freak out, uh, you know, the stuff in his car dies, and then just this crazy thrashing around railroad crossing sign, which has the little lights on it. They're going to go red. Um, so I like that. And I, I rewatched the scene thinking, doesn't the sign like do something crazy where it turns on or off? And it, it doesn't. Um, but it does thrash around like crazy. And there's, there are definitely prominent shots of it. Why are the aliens big, doing that to them? Well, I want, the aliens do a bunch of weird things that make no sense, right. don't they? Like We, the we talked before about... Yeah, yeah. Like, what is it that they're doing to manipulate an individual screw... And why? On the little vent thing, yeah, well, yeah. And the same thing is, why is the, why are the mailbox lids opening and closing and the flags going up and down? What, you know, what phenomenon in a UFO causes that to happen? Vacuum cleaner. Guess so. Why do they want Barry? And they did the whole trick, too, and I didn't understand this until, like, years later. Like, they do it, there's a thing where they make, they basically, neg- it looks like they're negating the gravity in this truck. Right. Where all this stuff in the truck starts flying up. And you, do you know how they did that, Kelly Wand? Um, they just, like, threw the truck with Dreyfus in it over a cliff? Basically, it's similar. They put it on a gimbal where they could just spin it upside down while while Richard Dreyfus is sitting in there buckled in with his seatbelt. And you do see him at one point briefly rise up at the point when it would be spun around upside down. So, yeah, they just put a bunch of trash in the truck like it would normally be, and then they just flip it around on a, on a gimbal. It's the same way that some people will do, like, car wreck scenes, where you see people inside the car, and the car's tumbling over. How'd they turn his flashlight on when he screams at the end? That was, that was the hardest part of that scene, and they couldn't get it to work for the longest time. That's why they don't show the flashlight until the very end, Kelly Wand. Because hmm. the, they just have a hard time with that. Yeah. That's the part that his bosses didn't believe happened. Do you know that that flashlight was nominated for an Academy Award? <laughs> Dingus, what's your number three favorite sign? <laughs> My number three, uh, let me just uh, give a quote from this movie. Ruach? Uh, quest for fire. 
Yeah, it does sound like it's something with like a Cave barbarian man. or caveman. Yeah. Zapped. Uh, no, it's actually somebody having a dialogue with the sign. The sign says, don't make me waste letters. R-U-O-K. Fletch? No, this is from the movie L.A. Story. And um, <laughs> in L.A. Story, <laughs> Steve Martin, uh, or Harris Telemacher, has a continuing dialogue with uh, the freeway signs over the L.A. freeways. And uh, in one of the moments, the sign says, uh, Ruach. And he says, Ruach. And he says, don't make me waste letters. Are you okay? Um, and then eventually the sign tells him to kiss her. But uh, number three is that L.A. Uh, sign, freeway sign, which are constantly befuddling me as I drive around. Um, it, it's just the, are you okay? Carry on, what's your number two favorite sign in a movie? A really... Preferably a road sign. What? Yep, just saying. You could do other things, but preferably a road sign. Uh, okay, then I'll switch my number two and my number one. <laughs> nope, no change in your list. You, no change in your how list. How would you know? How do you know? You can't know. Do you know? You just said you're doing it. I just listened to uh, you I say you in your list. I'm oh, doing okay. a Steve Jobs. Okay, very good. You. Uh, my number... You tricked me a little. I see you just tricked me a little. It's a line from, from a movie called Steve Jobs. That's a line that Aaron Sorkin wrote, Kelly Wand. What do you think of that writing? It's good writing. I can see why you like it. <laughs> yep. I feel tricked. All right, your number two favorite sign, which was previously your number one, but is now your number two, is... Wait, I'm going to swap them back. You're right. That's bad. You can't, if you can't... Not only can you not change it once, you can't change it twice. What? I thought that's undoing it. So now I have to stop. No, you have to leave it... You have to leave it like it was originally. That's what I'm you doing. You can't change it to change it back. I'm changing it back. Now you change it change it back. But that's the same thing. I'm doing a 360. That's a well, no, you can't even. No, but when you do a 360, you have turned. You can't even turn. You're not allowed to even turn. What? Well, what am I supposed to do now? Tell me what you want. You can do a zero. You can do a zero okay. where, you're, where you don't even. Yeah. Can I, I'm taking back the 360, and now I'm doing a zero on it. So I'm undoing the 360, or I'm, I'm stapling a zero over on top of the 360. If you're not careful, you're going to get pulled over. Well, I think this seems, he sounds too enraged to even pull anyone over. He's just going <laughs> to like, let society crumble. Fuck it. Sick of the shit. You know how he talks. His voice gets all deep. Uh, my number two is uh, in the end of Showgirls, there's a scene where... Um, Elizabeth Berkeley's getting held up by the guy who stole her briefcase at the beginning of the movie <laughs> with a knife. And then uh, he goes, oh, did you win or lose in Vegas? And then she's all, I won. And he goes, oh, you don't look like you have any money on you. And she goes, I found something more important, me. And then she's all, no, give me my briefcase. And as they drive away, there's it cuts up to a sign above them, of, but it's like a sign of her from her show. So it's like she became famous at the end, but it cost her. By sign, you mean a billboard. Well, Dingus said we couldn't use the Jaws one, but like another billboard was okay. He said we could use billboards, I thought. Dingus, didn't you clarify we could use billboards? Yeah, I said you can use billboards, but I just didn't want things with uh, that were specific. The reason you like the billboard is because of graffiti, because we've done graffiti before. Right, it's Elizabeth Berkeley's face. It's not graffiti. All right. 
I'm changing my number two again. Hey, it's that. Uh, Wait, what? How come you get to... Is it my turn? Oh, yeah, it's my turn. My number two, you don't know if I'm changing it, is... Uh, oh, am I getting the movie right? Oh, shoot. What's the movie? What's the movie where you see that Angeline billboard getting blown around? What's the movie where Volcano. a tornado hits L.A.? Volcano. No, no. Oh, where it burns up. Right. It's yeah. not where the tornado hits L.A. That's a different. That's a Roland Emmerich thing, I think. Yeah. So in Volcano, where you see that Angeline billboard getting uh, burned up, I kind of, I kind of appreciated that little touch of humor about L.A. Although, geez, Volcano, ew, that movie's terrible. No, I can't a believe cool. I put it on my three by three. Wait, it was what? I'm trying to think. I said there's a couple good parts, but then I, I liked when the chick uh, gets melted in the crevice. Well, there's also yeah when the dude who is rescuing someone. A child, I think. He's on a subway in a pool of lava. has flowed and flowed in front of him. Um, then he sinks into it. it. Yeah, he sinks into it, but he throws the child to safety. It's not like, a child. It's a grown man, but it's a foreigner. And he's <laughs> the driver of the thing, but short. And I'm misremembering it as a child. Yeah. Man, all right. He's reading a screenplay book at the time. Uh, and isn't the guy who burns, isn't it... Um, isn't it the fella who did the three cent mal- who did the mallard on the three cent stamp who was just on Walking Dead as yeah, the uh, as the mentor to Morgan? The Wasn't that the guy? Yeah, the Zodiac Killer, and that's the guy that burns up in Volcano, yeah. isn't it? See, that's what taught him how to teach Morgan. <laughs> in that case, I'm glad I picked Volcano. So my number two is those Angeline signs in uh, Vol- the Angeline sign in Volcano burning up as a little nod to this is a silly thing in L.A. and we're going to trash it. Isn't it Angelone, like Job? Job's? Gotcha. A little fun. A little fun for everyone. We'll name him. Dickus, save me from Kelly Wan's trickery by giving me your number two favorite sign in a movie. Sure. Uh, the movie I thought of before starting this was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And it's the sign um, when they're riding their uh, motorcycle uh to figure out whether they're going to go to Venice or Berlin. Um, and they have their argument. And what's awesome about watching that scene again is watching the ridiculous, uh, poorly done green screen stuff behind them. I mean, I couldn't believe how terrible it was behind them. But I, I do love that moment where uh, where they're trying to decide, are we going to go to Venice or Berlin? Because Venice means Brody, Berlin means the diary. And um, Dad said, is saying the diary is all that matters. This is why it matters. And then there's this moment where uh, the the camera pushes in on the sign, and you see the Berlin sign kind of dissolve into fire as they're burning the books. So it's the Berlin sign in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So in Last Crusade, in Last Crusade, uh, with that horrible bit where the airplane. The, there's, they're like attacked by a Messerschmitt or something, and it drives through a tunnel and yeah. passes them. Is there a sign that says tunnel coming up or something that lets us know the plane's about to fly into a tunnel, or we just see the tunnel? You see Wile E. Coyote. Basically, yeah. Wait, Dingus didn't dignify that with a response? Uh, I don't That's remember. Right. Hey, and then... Because you think that would make it funnier as they see the tunnel coming. And yeah, that would know. be funny. You're redirecting. Yeah. It would be it would be as funny as that stupid part with the the, the plane passing him up in the tunnel. That was so unfunny. Remember how lame the blimp thing was. That's where you could, by the way, tell how Crystal Skull was going to turn out. Seems like that. I think Last Crusade gave us an, a hint that the 
the yeah. best days were behind us. Right, right. You got the best you're going to get. But in the Berlin-Venice thing, are they in a motorcycle and a sidecar arguing? Like, now we're going to go this way, and then like, yes. the sidecar exactly goes to right. Venice. Right. Yeah, because they're heading straight toward Venice because that's what Indiana Jones thinks has to happen. And his dad's saying, no, no, we have to go get the diary. And Indiana Jones is like, no, no we already know everything that's going on there. And, and his dad says, no, there's more in the diary than what you think. Let's go get it. And that's what helps them figure out all of the little like tricks in the cave. You know what else they get in Berlin, Dingus? Hitler's autograph. Good point. True story. Yeah, good point. And Allison Duty's duties. Speaking of duties, Kelly Wand, it is your duty to come up with a favorite sign in all... Oh, no, wait. Yeah, Kelly Wand, it's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn for your number one favorite sign in a movie. First off, always pick Venice over Berlin. That's a stupid choice. And my number one is... Um, this is my only good one, I think. Oh, my only good one's my number one. All right, shoot. <laughs> That's the competition, is who's, who's number one is the only good one first. Yep. Well, Dingus yep. sees with rage. Uh, my number one is Judd Nelson's um, keep out signs in his guillotine for his locker and breakfast club. Do you remember all that? How ornate it was? I'm just like... Uh, I don't. I have describe that again. I don't know what you're talking about. He keeps his weed in his locker, and they sneak out to go get some to get his doobage. Yeah. And, uh, his locker is just like none of the other lockers have any writing on them, and his is just like covered in like warnings and like keep out, <laughs> open this, you die, and then oh, like, the keep like, out signs. All right, yeah, that's good. All right, I see what you're saying. It's super like it's actually one of the best props I've ever seen, or like best graphic design props in a movie. Oh, that's great, oh, man. I like that. Now I'm thinking of signs on, like, kids' bedroom doors in movies and stuff, yeah. or, like, signs that kids have made. <sighs> Kelly Wan, you're making me want... No, you know, my number one is good, so I'm sticking with it. That's Can I change my number two, Kelly Wan? Topic. No, you can't it's... change your number two. You, you I asked Kelly Wan, Diggis. It's not Diggis, you're topic, not a three-by-three pop. Go ahead and do your number one now. You can do a 720, but you can't do a 380. Nope. You didn't do, you didn't do number two until we started the topic, so go ahead and do your number one now. Yeah, pulled over. I'll tell you my yeah, you'll find out what, what, what awesome pick you guys missed out on when I brought in the Angeline billboard. Uh, but my number one, which is my only good one, I was thinking of signs... Th- oh, whoops, that's not, I'm reading the wrong thing. Where'd it go? Uh, oh, I'm thinking of signs that are like a metaphor for something that's going on, like where the sign actually means something. And this is why I couldn't come up with anything for this, is I was wanting to do road signs, and I was just coming up with seeing... You know, scenes that happen to have a road sign in them. This is the only one I could think of where the sign actually means something. And it's a slow down sign. Uh, and it's the last, it's one of the last shots you see in the movie Locke, which is basically Tom Hardy driving to. Mm. Actually, I'm not sure where he drives. But at the very end, when he gets off of the freeway, which is where he's been during most of the movie, which is where all of the action, so to speak, takes place, um, which is where he has a significant character arc, um, at the end he gets off the freeway and there's a little sign that says slow down. And I feel like it's kind of a metaphor, yeah. like about yeah. what he's doing with his life as he, as he, uh, as he pulls off the freeway. Yeah, that's great. I like that. And I was thinking too, there was a sign early on where he's going to turn left, and for some reason he's not. He's just sitting there, and you're like, "What's going on?" And he finally turns right, and I misremembered that there must have been a sign that explains something's to the left and something else is to the right. There's no such sign there. It's just a stoplight. Uh, 
the light turns green, and his blinker is on, and he's not moving, and he finally flicks the blinker to the other side and turns right. But there's no sign telling you anything about what is left or what is right. Uh, Wait, so the metaphor is he needs to slow down with his life choices? Well, that he's finally slowing down, that he's made, uh, you know, he's been in this sort of whirlwind of having to make these difficult decisions. His, His life is in turmoil. He's turning everything upside down. He finally makes a decision, and he commits to it, and like all of that turmoil is not not the the repercussions of it, but all of the inner turmoil he was going through to make the decision, all of that is gone, and he's now just going to sort of go through with it and see it through to its end. Uh, I mean, what other road sign are you going to use to reflect that, Kelly Wand? Detour, one-way, U-turn? The curvy lines in the psychics use. Falling rocks? Yeah. Deer crossing? Do you think they should have used that one? Meteor showers? There's no sign that says that. Sea level zero? Dingus, what is your favorite (laughs) sign in the movie? All right, my favorite is this moment at the very beginning of the movie Silence of the Lambs. And there's there's this signs on a tree at the Quantico base where she's running the course. And the the signs are, are are hammered into the tree. Um, and it, and they and they say hurt, agony, pain, love it. And then there's one underneath that looks like it says pride, but it looks like it's been sort of scrubbed out. Damn it! But I love the the hurt, agony, pain, love it because this is something that um, that Jonathan Demi found. Basically, it, it's not it's not uh, I don't know uh, production design or set dressing or whatever, but it's part of that Quantico course, and it's great. Um, I don't know how you would say it, but it's a great punctuation to the end of that scene of that opening credit sequence where she's running all through the course. The, that dude runs up and says, Crawford needs to see you. And she runs off. He looks off after her. And then you see that, that those signs, her agony, pain, love it. And I love that kind of idea of how hard her training has been and what the training is because we don't necessarily think of FBI agents as going through that kind of rigorous training uh, no matter what you're seeing of her going through the rope course going all, all through the running and all of that thing so that those signs at the beginning of uh, Silence of the Lambs I just thought of a better one can I change my number three? You can't change anything but you can use anything you want for your uh, runners up all right, it, it'll here. be quick because we only have two. Uh, we only have two listener things. Hmm. All right, all right. Well, I'll be bringing it up during the runner right, up. Good. <laughs> all right, you, uh, we're done. So yeah, that's it, right? We're all yeah. yeah we're listener, all done. What, what do the listeners have? Uh, so uh, first, we have Arthur Jovangeli, uh, number three, the Prestige, the signs that are hung on the electric fence that surrounds Tesla's laboratory in Colorado Springs. There are three of them, and they say extreme danger, no trespassing, and electricity danger. The movie is set in the 1800s, so signs warning about the perils of electricity were far from commonplace, and, as Annie Circus points out, very few people actually heeded the signs. Electricity danger, by the way, could be uh, an MPAA rating uh, <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Electricity danger throughout. Light bulb. That was, that was that movie that Kelly Wan told us about earlier. Um, number two, Unforgiven. Handwritten wind sign outside of Big Whiskey that reads, No firearms in Big Whiskey Ordinance 
14 Deposit Pistols and Rifles County Office. Gene Hackett instituted the ban to avoid any trouble the whore's bounty might bring, and I love how the sign looks like it was made on short notice. It's a great this one. This is a really great one, Arthur. I need to well, rewatch that movie. It's been too long. At least once a year. Yeah. yeah. And number one, I can't believe I didn't think about this because it was on uh, uh, bus benches for an entire year, it felt like. Um, number one, District 9. The no humans allowed uh. and no humans only signs that are posted all over Johannesburg. The images on the signs are fantastic, reminiscent of no smoking signs, and showcase the sharp divisions within the city. So what I had for my number three, I'm changing to Arthur's pick of District 9. That's a great I just episode. remember, do you remember seeing those signs all over bus benches and what? Yeah, well, they, they featured, Yeah, they featured it real prominently in the advertising yeah. campaign. Yeah, A sign yeah. was the whole thing, the yeah. whole marketing campaign. And so our ah. other contributor is Nick D. Hi, guys. Number three, Jurassic Park. Uh, given that one. it takes place in an amusement park, there are a lot of signs to choose from all in that great iconic typeface. But if I have to choose, I'll pick the banner which reads, When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth. That flutters to the ground in front of Tyrannosaurus Rex Machina. It's so... uh, I'm sorry, Dinosaur Rex Machina. It's so darn cinematic, I can't help but love it. Uh, My Jurassic Park choice was almost going to be Nedry spinning that silly uh, arrow. Uh, number two for Nick D is Francis Ha. The final mm, not a sign. Pull him over. Not a sign. And, and I'm afraid I know what he's going to say. And it's a spoiler. Not a sign. It's a label. It may, you know what? Maybe he's got something different. I could be. No, no. You're right. Pre-guessing. That's what he's talking about. Is he going to ruin the end of the movie? Uh, he's talking about. Uh, uh, yeah. Wait, I haven't seen uh, it yet. Nick D. Oh, Nick D. I haven't seen it yet. Thing is, throw him in jail. He's going to ruin the end of Francis Ha. It's Wait, a great. It's a Nick. One of my deputies is, is calling against you. And yeah, I mean, thing is, as your backup deputy, I think you should throw him in jail. Hope Wait, not, you, are you I hope here? you're not Deputy Nick. <laughs> no, 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 backup deputy. Dingus, I'm Richard Jenkins. Right. I'm fine. Uh, are you going to accept that though? It's a, it's a label on a, a mailbox. That's what he's picking. No, I don't, right? I, I'm sorry, Nick. It is a great. It is a great thing that happens in the movie. But I don't think it qualifies as a sign. I'm sorry. Haha, ha, Nick, you just got arrested. But I did just <laughs> the cop I, laughs at you. I did just threaten Tom with being deputy Nick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could have been worse, Nick. See what ha, see what ha, I almost. What got? if the cop said ha ha after they cuff you? <laughs> Sometimes they probably do, yeah. Kelly. Yeah, they uh, did. Uh, cops in. Nick D's number one choice is Dead Man Walking. On the way to visit Sean Penn in prison. Susan Sarandon and Robert Prosky pass a sign on the road titled Have Many Rabbit. Uh, (laughs) She asks him, do you think that's a for sale sign or a cry for help? He responds, or is it bragging? (laughs) It's a great moment that not only establishes a sense of place, but brings some humanity to characters who might otherwise have come off as preacher, preachy church folk. Oh, shit, I thought of a better one, too. 
Fuck, I did I too. Dead gummit. Fucking three minutes are so irritating. Have me wrap it. I need to change my number one, number two, and number three. Yeah, hang on. I gotta write some notes now. Nick, yeah, I never I would have to. thought of that, didn't I? A mocking moment. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Have many rabbit. That's awesome. Oh, uh, Nick. All right, that's all I've got. So do you guys want to... So here's the first... What, what that just made me think of, and I actually had this in my notes. I don't think we brought it up during the podcast. In Bridge of Spies, there's one little scene uh, in Mark Rylance's prison with a sign on the back of the wall. And I was like, what? That says the words Sally Port. <laughs> do you guys remember that? Yeah. Did, did, am I the only one who noticed yeah. that? What's it mean? That's exactly what I was thinking. Is what is Sally Port? What does that even mean? Is it a place? So, no, it's basically the it's what you call the entrance to a prison, uh, and it comes from the idea of when when there's a siege that's being laid to a castle, um, sometimes the besieged people will will do what's called sallying forth, which is where you ride out of the castle and you attack the besiegers when they don't expect it. So, in an old castle, a sally port, or, or port, like the, the, the gate for sallying out, it was just a hole in a heavily defended area. Um, Wait, why so would you want a hole that lets people invade you? No, no, it's, it's for the, the besieged people to sally forth, to oh, go out and right, attack okay, the yeah. So it became a, a term for a, a, a port or a hole in a heavily defended area. Yeah, so where you come into a prison is a sally port. And I, that was one thing I learned from Bridge of Spies. Thank you, Bridge oh. of Spies. The Sally Port sign. Well, wouldn't your invaders use that same way? Well, you put a uh, you put bars up. You lock it. You know. You oh, close I it see. Like in throw the bolt. It's, you don't leave it open. You, you, know, and like you never have. You, you only have two ports. Nobody would have eight ports. Wait, there's port and ah. though. Okay, I think it's just did a line from uh, Steve jo- Jobs. Jobs. Jeez, Jobs. Jesus. <laughs> there's a Jobs. moment you know, in Fence Little Lambs because they you know they trip. Uh, when trying to do this, I end up watching huge swaths of these stupid movies, even though I love them. I just want to watch a little bit of the movie. But there's a moment where she's about to enter into that mo- into that awful underground in the Baltimore cells where she's going to visit Lecter. And behind her, there's a sign that says no S. And you can't see what it, what it says over her shoulder is she's about to enter that really scary area. And I just don't know what the no S. I couldn't figure what. What could that be? No S. Obviously, no smoking, but it can be no smoke. Ah, right, no right. S. What? No what? S. Ah. Uh, the one that you made me think of, Dingus, uh, when you mentioned Silence of the Lambs, there's a movie that's not very good, but Dingus, you should probably see if you think that Kobe Smulders is hot, because mm-hmm. she smolders in this movie. Uh, there's a movie called Results, where uh, she and Guy Pierce play uh, fitness trainers in Texas <laughs> or something. Uh, and she's constantly like in these tight outfits, and she's super hot in it. And I'm like, oh, that's why Dingus is into Kobe Smulders. Um, but in this movie, the, the, the sort of twist in this movie is that Kevin Corrigan, who is just a real kind of a schlub of an actor, and he's just super lazy looking, he's super funny. But Kevin Corrigan, for some reason, comes into their gym, and he wants to sign up for training. And so it's Guy Pierce saying, hey, come into my office, and doing that typical like gym sales pitch you know, what kind of shape do you want to get in? What kind of regimen are you looking for? He's trying to get him to sign up. And Kevin Corrigan is in the, the office, and he sees a sign behind Guy Pierce. It's one of those motivational posters, and it says, Fear, 
excuses, surrender. <laughs> he, he points at the sign. He's like, what does that mean? And Guy Pierce turns around. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And he moves over a jacket that has been hanging in, the, in front of the sign. And it's supposed to say, no fear, no excuses, no surrender. <laughs> and the no is covered up with a jacket. But it's a great moment. Fear, excuses, surrender. I just thought of that one. I better just said no, no, no. <laughs> and then have the I like Kevin Corrigan. He is great, and uh, yeah, it's you know this movie would be good if it sort of knew what to do with him, but there's just weird. The movie kind of just fizzles out and goes in weird places that make no sense. Um, uh, the listener made me think of the one from Roger and Me, where there's that sign that says um, "Rabbits for pets or food." Uh, I wanted to pitch, but I don't know if it applies that uh, the sign on the side of the blimp that's trying to get people to go to the off-world colonies in Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. you know, it's like it's like yeah, a it's like yeah. a motion picture billboard that's trying to paint on this world, this, this idea. Yeah, yeah, isn't it the blimp yeah. flying around trying to get people to to go to the off-world yeah, colonies? It's but it's almost yeah. like it's almost more like a running commercial. The Blade Runner one I wanted to think about, but I couldn't. I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch Blade Runner again this week. Was that walk? Don't walk the way that was. Oh right, right. Yeah. Walk, don't yeah. Walk. Well, the one that I remember from that scene. Actually, this is a good one. There's a sign for. Uh, did, by the way, did we remember? I know we were trying to think of this. What year does Blade Runner take place? 2012. 2025. Oh, 2012. Is it? I was thinking 2017. One of us is probably yes. right. But at any rate, there's a sign in Blade Runner for Atari, which would not, which uh, does not exist. Yeah, yeah. It's like remember, the Pan Am like, sign in 2001. Exactly, right, right. Just like, well, they got the that bell. one wrong. <laughs> so much for that prediction. Yeah. Huh. Uh, do you guys remember the signs, um, and, and this is why I disqualified them and didn't bother watching, but do you guys remember the, the freeway signs in Joyride? No, I mean, but it, what 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 could they be other than like pointing to exits and stuff like that? Is there anything they do with it? Isn't there a way that he directs them to have to take a certain exit? Enjoy ride by what by just telling them the exit number. But, or something? but the the different signs, like I don't know, it might have been. The problem is, it might have been. Uh, it, it's not graffiti, but it's um, altered. Where he's he's directing them to have to get off the road at a certain point so that he can break through their truck or something. Oh, yeah. I was trying to think though of a point where you know you've got those classic signs that gives you the city name and how many miles away it right. was. And I was trying to think of a good use of one of those, uh, and the only thing I could come up with um, is in Twenty Eight Days Later, they're they're following this radio signal that that's in Manchester. Uh, where the military is saying, "Hey, come, come here, you know, to escape the infection, and, you know, we'll save you." Uh, and as they pull up to Manchester, there's a sign I think that says Manchester 10 miles, and they come over a rise, and there's Manchester like on fire, yeah. burning yeah. With, with smoke coming out of it. Um, but the sign is just telling you, I think, uh, Manchester. Yeah. Kelly Wand, any other runners up for you? No, I was trying to think of one from Star Wars, but there's no signs in Star Wars. Uh, there's a, a horrible Star Wars themed game that uh, so Disney uh, uh, there's, a, there's a game called Disney Infinity where you have these little figures and you put them on a base and then you play the figure in a little adventure level and they have a Star Wars level and in the Tatooine one there's a uh, kind of oh the cantina 
there's a cantina where you go in, and out on the front of the cantina, there's a little picture of a droid with that red circle and the, the slash through it. Because <laughs> they say no, we don't we don't serve their kind yeah, here. That's they're teaching kids uh, the history of Jim Crow. Oh, and of using the droids as a metaphor. That reminds me of the sign in an airplane, the the sign that flashes, you know, basically saying no, no <laughs> fucking. Ah, there is a uh, so another video game. There's a video game uh, that Vin Diesel is actually involved in, based on the Chronicles of Riddick. Those are the where... Crystal Book. Clifton Kelly Wan doing a great line from uh, Last Witch Hunter that I didn't see uh, in English. So this is a game where it's it's like Riddick's years in prison, and it's actually a very good game. And there's a point where a sign on the wall says no fucking, but it says that because someone has crossed out the S M in smoking and, and or so, somebody like defaced a no smoking sign. And I remember doing a double take at that. Thinking, no fuck. Oh, I see. It was no smoking and someone no defaced smoking, it. as in Steve Jobs. Because <laughs> who no, who wants to be exposed to secondhand fuck? Wait. So their vandalism was uh, no. You can't fuck here. <laughs> <laughs> But so they wouldn't want to have sex there? That seems like a weird thing to want. They should have taken out the no, too, and then just had it say fucking. Kind of I'm sure they were very bored in prison, and they just did what they could to entertain <laughs> I'll themselves. I'll show those anti-tobacco. Give me that, that Vin Diesel line reading again. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Kelly Wan, then, oh, Dingus, did you have runners up? No, that's all. All right. Kelly, why don't you take us over to next week's 3x3. What do you got for us? Next week's 3x3 choice of topics. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. Here it comes. I thought we'd already done it, but thank God we haven't. All the similar ones. Tom's going to probably get upset right now, as usual. That's cool. That's fine. I'm ready for that with my clip pad. <laughs> uh, it's uh, three best missiles. <laughs> Not bombs. Has to be a missile. And I'm taking Dr. Strangelove off the table, motherfucker. Nice. Nice. Uh, Do you need to... So, no bombs. Do you need to uh, narrow down your definition of missile at all? Uh, No poop. (laughs) We'll be doing that topic in three weeks. Those are are grenades, clearly. (laughs) No grenades in the pool. Three favorite missiles. All right, Kelly Wan. So, what if listeners have some ideas for uh, missiles from movies? If they, if they have want. some missiles in movies they'd like to share memories of with us, they can send a text about them to the email address 3x3. Oh, it sounds like a missile. <laughs> At a quarter to three, all spelled out, dot com, but as one word. Under the subject heading missiles, three by three, quarter to three forums. Actually, you can use whatever subject yep. heading you like. Uh, well, miss- Kelly, one. What movie should we see next week? Next, since you live in Germany and uh, we're we're limited by what's available, what are we having to see next week? Germany, Why, man? You know, Kelly, one. Let me take over and announce next week's movie. Ready? Yeah. According to Kelly Wan, we were going to have to see, and we haven't done any of these movies since the first one, the final Hunger Games movie, which would have meant Dingus was going to have to catch up on all six or seven of them that there were, 
which means I was going to have to go back and watch the stupid ones that I've seen that didn't pay attention to, and which also would have meant we would all have to actually go see Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. We're not going to do that. We instead, I am doing what's calling an audible, and we are going to see a movie that is available on video on demand called Z for Zachariah. Well, Margot Ribbie. <laughs> Spoiler. Oh. Uh, so uh, you can see that plenty of places. I, I invite the listeners to check out Z for Zachariah and join us for that uh, podcast next week, after which we will be talking about our three favorite missiles. <laughs> I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Moralski. Christian Moralski. And we had Kelly Wand. <laughs> I think Ashton Kutcher really likes playing people from the 70s, huh? You know I'm the one who has to explain you to people. And there's a candy corn in this one. Well, they can't all be winners, can they? <laughs>